0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress.
1: All right, hey, let's get unified around God's word. If you could turn to Ephesians chapter 2, that'd be great. Ephesians chapter 2. Today, um, as we just uh, expect that God is here, that he is moving, I want to just say something to you, church. If we come together around God's word and we do what Boaz did in chapter 2, we'll never have any race issues in this church. We just won't encounter them. It just won't happen. And so it's not complicated, by the way, either. You don't need to go to uh, seminars and and read all of the popular books and worldly philosophies. What needs to happen is that God give me a heart to obey your word. Because the principles that are laid out here 3,000 years ago are still true today because they don't change. And here's the bad news. I'm going to give you 11 points today. You're like, that's too many, Chris, I know. But here's how I want you to listen. I want you to listen and jot down the ones you need to repent of or change. Repent is a heavy word, right? It it, it just means this. It means to think again. I used to think this way. Now I repent, I metanoia, I change the way that I think. Now I think this way, right? So you could walk in here, right? Having philosophies that don't line up with scripture. You read scripture, you say, oh God, you know what? I I want you to change me. I repent. I'm asking you to change me. You can walk out of here different today. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the gospel. You don't need to go through eight weeks. It can happen right here, right now. That's what our God does. What do I need to add to my life? What do I need to repent of? What am I doing right? And maybe there's some encouragement that you need to keep doing what you're doing. But you need the Holy Spirit around these 11 points because you need to walk out of here and you need to work with them. You need to work with them. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two. And, and, and by the way, listen, I'm not gonna talk about the history of racism in our, in our country, in our world Uh, that's been done enough. I've done it here today, but I'm also not going to come out worldly philosophies, which I've done before as well. So we're not going to get into a lot of the buzzwords and a lot of the different things today. What today is going to be is really a, a, a charge for us that, man, if we live like this, if we obey these things, then all this nonsense ends with us and we walk into what Christ paid for Ephesians 2:13 It says but now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Church, be careful of people trying to build up walls that Christ tore down. There's no more walls. We glory in the cross. There's no more separation. Fifteen, By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. You need to highlight that, please. In place of the two, so making peace. There is now one new man on the earth. Basically, there's one new race of people on the earth. This is what Scripture is saying. There's not multiple races, there's one new race that God created through the blood of his cross. Again, be very careful when people are trying to push you to find identity in your ethnicity. They're trying to build out a wall that Christ tore down through the blood. Acts chapter 6. The first time there's division in the church of Jesus Christ, it's because the Hellenist Jews were being discriminated against. Why? Because they were both finding identity in their ethnicity, and it caused division. Be very, very careful, Christian. Sixteen. He might reconcile us both to God and in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Listen, if you have hostility towards someone else that might not look like you, you better deal with that today. Because Christ killed that, what are you going to do? Bring it back up? The hostility's been killed. He has made peace. He has made one new man. 17, he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near for through him, through him, we both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer on the outside, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members. I want you to highlight members of the household of God. You are a member of the household of God no matter where you're from, no matter what your name is, no matter what you look like, because of the cross, as a believer, you're now a member of the household of God. That is your new identity. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And it's really important to know this church that Ephesians 1 through 3 is basically the calling. It's basically the identity that God wants us to get as believers. It's what the cross paid for. When you look at 1, it says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing that you've been adopted into the blood, that you've been redeemed by God. That Verse 13 of chapter one, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And so this is who you are in Christ, but when you get to four, there's a shift to now how do I walk out my calling? If this is who I am, four through six is how I walk it out. One through three, that's what the cross did. Four through six that's how we have to walk it out, and you'll never walk it out if you don't receive it. If you don't receive and believe, right? That's why uh, John 1, 12. For those who have received and believed in his name, he gave them what? Rights to become what? Sons, children of God. But if you don't believe and receive, guess what? You can't live as a what? Son. You're going to live as an orphan. And so doctrine, Ephesians 1 through 3, affects how you walk. Right? So I, I see some sports guys in here. Right? So when I step on the basketball court and I shoot, I know it's going in. No question. No question. Right? i never seen a shot I didn't like. If I miss one, oh, man, what happened? I'm going to make the next one. See, you live out of your beliefs. If I believe I can shoot, guess what I'm going to do? Now, there's a lot of people who believe they can shoot, but they can't shoot. Hello. <laughs> what we believe affects how we move. So, here, Ephesians 4 is now how we move out. He says, I therefore. A prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy, and I want you to highlight worthy, please. Worthy of the calling which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. I want you to highlight a few words, the word worthy, because we're going to see this in Ruth chapter 2, that Boaz was a worthy man. But we are called to walk worthy. The cross declares you worthy because of the blood of Christ. You are now pleasing to God because of your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. You've crossed over from death to life. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation in Christ. We're one new race on the earth. But as we've received what Christ has done at the cross, now we have to walk differently. And we walk in a worthy manner. In a worthy manner. Like, you can't be a Christian and be a racist. That can't happen. Stop it. Maintain the unity in verse 3 there. I want you to highlight that maintaining the unity. This is a constant struggle, a constant movement. It is work. Now, maintain the unity. That's big. Why? Because we've already been unified by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 1 through 3. There's one new man. We belong to one another. Right? So, Quaylen, Miss Susie, we're members of one another. We're family. We belong to one another by the blood of Christ. You're not my kinfolk. You are my familia, whatever that was. Familia. Help me, Lord. So what did that? Did I do that? Did, it, did my works do that? No, the cross did that. The cross has made us one new kind of people. And so because of that, we have to just maintain it. This is really big, right? Tower of Babel. Pride, arrogance, people split up. God confused the language and they went all around the world in different ethnicities. Some people got more tan than other people. But then in Acts chapter 2, what happened? The Holy Spirit falls. People are from everywhere in Jerusalem. And one language is going out, but everybody's hearing it in their own language. Did they have to learn a language or a culture to embrace that culture? No, the Holy Spirit fell because of the cross and what Christ did, and God established a brand new kingdom culture where there's one language now because there's a new race. It's all new, it's kingdom living. And when we say things like, oh, when is the church gonna be unified? No, 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 that's not biblical. According to Ephesians 2.15, the church is already unified by the blood of Christ because he created one new man. To say that the church is not unified is not a biblical thing. When is the church going to maintain what Christ spilt his blood for? That's a better question. That's biblically Correct. And we have to be people that live out of our beliefs, not what we think, not what they say, not what we read outside of God's holy word. But what does the word say? I want you to go down to Ephesians 4.25. You see that phrase there at the end? We are what? We're members of one another. Some of you don't believe in church membership. Well, the Bible does. Anyway. Like Weston and Mia are right there. Weston and Mia are members with me, though. I know you guys are one and you're married, but you're also a member. You're a member to me, and I'm a member to you. Through what? The blood of Christ. The cross did that. Christ did that. And we're family. And this is why, go up to verse uh, 22 of Ephesians 4. This is why you got to put off your old self. The old way of thinking like the rest of the world. And your former manner of life, your former cultural mindsets that you used to have how you used to do, what you do, the corrupt through, that that they were corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the what? New self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so with that, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 1, please. Um, We're going to go to different places today. We're always going to come back to Ruth chapter 1 and Ruth chapter 2. It's going to be kind of our main text that we're going to be out of today. But that's a very important foundation for where we go because again you live out of your beliefs and we need to cry out to God God help us to believe what your word says. Look at Ruth 116. Ruth said to Naomi Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go, I will go and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth was making a covenant and she's basically saying May God judge me if I break this covenant. That's why when I marry folks in this church, I have you look into one another's eyes and quote that to one another. There's no coming apart. Even if they won't act right. And this is serious here. This is covenant. And so because of this declaration that Ruth made, she moved from a Moabite, she moved from a foreign land. She moved from having the god Shemosh, which they would sacrifice babies to. And she transferred and she became an Israelite, a child of Abraham. And now she's serving the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who doesn't want you to sacrifice your babies, but gave his only baby and sacrificed them to have us, Jesus a different God, it's a different family, it's a different location. Ruth was all in. And so let's pick it up in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man. There it is again, worthy, worthy, worthy. Ephesians 4.1, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Are we going to be people that walk worthy Boaz is going to show us how to walk worthy. Point number one, if you're taking note, if you and I believe we are in covenant together, we will walk unified because of the cross. If we believe we're in covenant together, we're going to be unified because of the cross. And so point number one, listen, you have to believe what we just read in Ephesians. Like, if you do not believe that we are one, you are going to live that out. You're going to live separate if you don't believe we're one. It's like getting married. Oh, yeah, girl, listen, I the ring, eh, you know, we don't need to wear a ring. You know, our, our love is private. My bank account, your bank account, let's keep them things separate. Now, how good would this marriage be, by the way? Right? And so if we really believe we're one, everything becomes one. And hopefully you went through premarital counseling because somebody's trying to still live as one. That's not good. Come see somebody in the church. Need some counseling? No, I die to myself. They die to themselves. Now we come one together and we live for the other person right? We live out of what we believe. Verse two, verse two. And Ruth, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter, go, my daughter. Ruth has initiative, guys where she's just seeing a need that needs to be met, and she goes and does it to serve Naomi. What a beautiful heart. Verse 3, So she set out, and she went, and she gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened, and I want you to highlight that word, happened, please, to come to the part of the field belonging to whom? Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, I want you just to jot this down. It's Psalm one thirty nine sixteen, please. Psalm one thirty nine sixteen. It says this. It says, "You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed." By the way, that's one of the reasons I'm not scared about COVID. Because. Just like we know Thanksgiving, that's when turkeys go, God knows my day. Every one one of my days, every one of my days, it's laid out. And you see that word happened? Happened? There's nothing in your life that just happens. God is sovereign. You might not know it. You might not see it. You might not be aware of it, but he is moving things and shifting things to get you into the right place at the right time, because he is about to do something. We're going to watch a video right now, and I want you to hear the word of the realtor that I was dealing with. I don't know, is Brian Brian here today? I don't see Brian. Anyway, you'll see Brian. There he is. Hey, Brian, wave your hand, right? You go ask him. This is a way to lift your hand, Brian. It's funny because I, 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 didn't, I didn't know this, but when I played the video, you hear him say, just so happened, just so happened. And I want you to know, church, there is nothing that just so happens in the kingdom of God. Not one thing. Will. So for the first five years at Bow Down, uh, our office was in my home. And so we had about 11 employees, some part-time, some full-time. And we're all meeting in my living room. People are telling me, man... Your staff is growing. You need an office. But I never felt like we needed to have an office because I just didn't want to waste money on that. So I'm driving home one day, and uh, two streets from my house is 17th and Tamron. And so I see this sign out front where this two-story old law office is for sale. And I'm like, oh, man, that would be a perfect office for Bow Down. So I get on the phone. I, I call Brian Kidwell, I said, hey, man, can you check this building out for me?
0: So Chris found a building on Tamar that he was interested in, and he called me, and I looked into it, and it was listed for 120000 and I told him that I felt that he should offer 100000 for it.
1: I'm in my quiet time one day, and this number, every time I'm thinking about the building, it's 80, 80, 80, 80, so I called Brian, I said, Brian, listen, I know they're offering 120, but I feel like we need to offer them $80,000,
0: So, I took Chris's offer to the other agent and we went back and forth a little bit. And he said basically, 90,000 cash is the the best offer or the lowest offer they're gonna give or accept. And we had three weeks to come up with the money.
1: So, Brian comes back and they took the offer, and it's $90,000 that we need cash in three weeks. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was exciting for me because it's like 30 grand off the top. Yay, God. And so I go home, I get on my email, and I'm like, man, I could call this guy, I can call this guy, maybe a five here, and I'm finagling all this stuff in my mind, and I really felt like God saying, hey, Chris, stop, stop, don't ask anybody,
0: don't tell anybody, just pray. So I touch base with Chris, and I asked him, how much money do you guys have? And he says, none, but I have faith. So like a week later, Brian calls me and said, hey, bro, you you guys, you
1: have any money yet? This is a great deal. I was like, no, I don't have any money. He's like, well, what are you doing? I was
0: like, I'm praying. He's like, oh, okay. So I check in with Chris about a week before the deadline, and I asked him how much money they have, and he has none. So here we are. The money's due Friday. He calls me on a Wednesday, says, hey, man,
1: money's due Friday, 90 grand. Do you have any money? I was like, no, man. He's like, well, what are you
0: doing? I said, I'm praying, bro. So we're a few days out from the deadline, and I was uh, speaking with a a friend of mine, and I asked him if he would pray specifically for for this because um, there was no money. So he went ahead, and he went to work. Uh, later on that day. And he was speaking with his boss, who's, a, who's a, a believer, and they pray in the office. So he asked him if he would pray for us or pray for the, you know, for the church. And um, so they were praying. So the boss's boss just happened to be um, coming in town that day. And they shared that with him. And he was interested and he wanted to come in and take a look and see the building and what, what this was all about.
1: This guy wants to meet me at the property. And now this is Thursday. The money's due Friday. So I say, Yeah, I'll meet you there. I don't even know who this guy is. We walk through the office. He's asking me questions for about 20 minutes about our ministry. And at the end, he says, You know what? I believe in what you guys are going to do. I'm going to buy this for you tomorrow for $90,000 cash. And you guys can pay me back interest free whenever you get the money. I was completely blown away. Um, my level of faith just went through the roof because on Wednesday, we had no money. Thursday, we had no money. All of a sudden, money's due. And here comes this guy who I don't know and drops a $90,000 check and buys our church office for us. And really, it just brings glory to God
0: and how great he is. When I think about the church building and the whole process, I, I just, I'm just I'm in awe on how the Lord, um, just how he shows up. He, he has everything, and we, all we have to do is put our trust and faith in him, and we get in the way of that. And when I look back and I see everything that had, you know, had taken place, there was no way that any of us could have worked these circumstances for any of this to come to place. This is the Lord showing up in his time and for his people and we had no money but you know what god wanted he wanted our church to
1: have an office so he showed himself strong on our behalf i couldn't have designed this i couldn't have figured this out god alone is the one who gets the credit and the glory and so whenever someone sees our office this is the office that god gave bow down amen Amen. hallelujah So, hey, you see there in verse 3, she just happened. She happened. She happened. Yeah, yeah, nothing's happening without God doing what he's doing. And it's already figured out. It's already figured out. According to to Psalm 139.16, that office was already assigned to bow down. It was for us. When you really believe that, guess what you're able to do? You're able to become meek. Meek is not weak. Meek is power under control. Blessed are the meek. I don't have to be first. I don't have to push. I don't have to strive. Why? Because the meek shall inherit the earth. I'm going to inherit what's been appointed to me already by my dad, so I don't have to go get it. It's going to come as I follow. These are kingdom principles. This is why we should live and walk different as the people of God. Ruth thought she was just in the field somewhere. No, God had her where he wanted her because he was doing what only he could do. And I pray you would be encouraged with that reality as you walk in Christ, following him, expecting that your dad is good. And there's no such thing as luck in the kingdom of God. He's got a purpose and a plan. Verse 4. Ruth chapter two, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, and I want you to highlight in charge, please. Whose young woman is this? Verse six, and the servant who was in charge. If you could highlight that again as well, in charge. So you see it twice Verse 5, verse 6, and charge, and charge. Of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman, and highlight Moabite, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Now, just for review, we'll go ahead and throw these five points up, please, of the Moabites so that we get the history and we understand what's going on here. The Israelites, how did they feel about the Moabites? Number one, the Moabites came from incest, so they were looked down upon by Israel. The Moabites also oppressed Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. Instead of helping them, they actually oppressed them. And because of that, uh, God excluded them, number four, from the assembly of the Lord. Because of a judgment, they didn't come with love to the children of Israel. Also, the Moabite women were seducing the Israelites. God brought judgment on that. And then finally in verse five, when you look at Ruth chapter one, verse one, it says in the time of the judges. Well, in this time, the Moabites, they were oppressed. They oppressed the Israelites. The king uh, attacked the Israelites. And so the Moabites were the oppressors. They were the ones that were our enemy. And so we go back into this text here. You see, in charge, in charge? This guy's in charge. And my question to you is why didn't he know her name? Why is he referring to her as a Moabite? He had power because he was in charge, he had privilege because he was in charge. But he didn't seem to use it like we're going to see Boaz use it. He knew her ethnicity, but he didn't know her name. Verse 7, she said to him who was in charge, because remember, he's talking to Boaz right now. Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning till now, except for a short rest So think about this. If you're in charge, wouldn't you say, hey, welcome. What's your name? Nice to meet you. Uh, Listen, some of you who have been at Bow Down for a long time, we've experienced church growth. There's been comments like, there's so many new people. It's like a different church now. I don't know anyone. Listen, that's immature. Stop it. Go take initiative and say, praise God, there's some new people here. Look at what you're doing, God. How can I welcome you in? Don't be like, oh, that Moabite over there. That's my seat. Hey, we're in the Old Testament. I'll slap you upside. Anyway, <laughs> eye for an eye. Look, look, we can't be like that. Look, we're the family of God. So, hey, I don't know you, man. Let's go break bread together. I don't know you. Come sit with me. Who are I've never met you before, right? Man. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean to another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. You say that, my young women. Boaz is in charge. He's the man. He's in charge of the guy that was in charge. But see, here's point number two. Boaz is using his privilege, his power, and his position to take initiative in order to bless her. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, what position you have or don't have. You have been given authority by Jesus Christ to show up and to bless and to use what God has given you to serve other people. Well, that's not my job. Uh, Yeah, it is. All authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. You have been given all authority. Initiate. Use what God has given you. And maybe it's a little. That's okay. Use what God has given you to bless others. This is how Christ moves towards us. Let's look at verse 8 again. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. Ooh, highlight my daughter. He doesn't say, hey, Moabite. He says, my daughter. My daughter. Man, that is loving. That is family. That is a declaration. You belong to me. You're a part of me, right? Jesus said that to the woman with the issue of blood. My daughter, your faith has made you well my daughter my daughter right and so man are we the kind of people that 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 says words like they and and them or 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 mine and ours and we we need to be a people that use terms not only use terms but move as if it's somebody's daughter Sometimes in premarital counseling, um, people think I'm kind of rough on the dudes. And I am rough. And I don't apologize because I'm treating these young women like they're my daughter. My daughter. And when I look at them, I want the same thing that I'd want for my daughter. I want them to get a Boaz, not a Bozo. I want I <laughs> want a guy that's going to get up and die every day. And if you didn't sign up for that, look, stay away from my daughter. You feel me, bro? Verse 8 again. Then Boaz said to Ruthless and my daughter, do not glean in another field. The point number four is obey God's word. Obey God's word. I want you to keep your place here. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24. The reason why Boaz is moving properly is because the foundation of his life was the word of God. And he was obeying the law of God, which caused him to bless Ruth. And so Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. This is what it says. It says, when you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, or the alien, or the pilgrim, the immigrant. All those words would fit right there. The fatherless and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you should not go, out, not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. God's word understands that as they were oppressed as slaves in Egypt, it doesn't take long for the oppressors, the oppressed, to become the oppressors. That's why we need God's law. I can be oppressed in a little while longer. I can become an oppressor. It just is what it is. That's why everybody needs God's law. And when I really, really obey God's word. See, when God says we are created in the image and likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. We're creating an image of likeness of God. How can you be a racist if you believe that? You just can't. You can't. This is why God's word needs to have its rightful place in your life, in my life. And when that happens, all of these things go away. All of these issues go away. The 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 fifth point that you see here coming from verse 8, he says... Don't go to another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. He makes her a member of the community with this statement. He's like, hey, you stay here with me. You're part of us here. You're part of us here. You're on this team. Now, think about in your middle school right now, right? When you were in middle school back in the day, man... I don't know about you, but man, if people would operate like this, hey, you're part of me. Hey, I got you. Hey, I want you to meet these people. You stay here. You come sit with me. You come, right? And so we need to have that kind of welcoming, loving attitude where we take responsibility, where we take charge like Boaz and we move accordingly. This is how God came. And understand this, this wasn't a one-time handout. This was a continual invitation to stay with my people. Verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? Point number 6. He was warning people. He told everybody he was operating this this place of protector. Are you a protector? When you see things going down that are not right, do you jump in and protect? Are you a peacemaker? Are you engaging? Do you take that kind of initiative where you know what's about to pop off, that you already are kind of moving in a way where say, hey, don't do that. They belong to me. They're with me. I'm with them. This is how Boaz was moving. This is how we got to move. And again, if we move like this, all this nonsense goes away. You don't have to go to a seminar. I'm saving you money. You're welcome. (laughs) 9B, and when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Look, there's no segregation, point number seven. There's no separate water fountains, colored and white. No segregation. We're all drinking out the same fountain. And again, Boaz is using his privilege, his authority, none of that nonsense here. Now, over here, we have gluten-free and non-gluten-free communion, but (laughs) the motive is pure. We can't have segregation, guys. We're members of one another. And be very careful in this world right now. People are pushing segregation. Verse 10, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? I want you to highlight I'm a foreigner, please. She belie- She's seeing herself not in the new covenant. She's seeing herself in the old reality, not the new reality of what transpired inspired in her life. Verse 11, but Boaz answered her, and all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. I want you to highlight, left your father and mother and your native land. Why is that important? Because you can put above that Genesis 12.1. Genesis 12.1 says this, God said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. What I believe Boaz was doing was declaring to the community, hey, you better not touch her. She is a child of Abraham because she's doing what Abraham did. She has moved. She's no longer a Moabite. She is one of us. And Abraham became who he was because he left his land followed God. She did the same thing. And I believe that was a declaration to the rest of the community. You need to quit looking at her like a foreigner and like a Moabite. Now, notice I had you highlight it in verse 10 at the end. Her identity was still what? I'm a foreigner. Many of us can know the truth. We've been Christians for years. <sighs> We know that we're a child of God, but we live like an orphan. We say things like, well, what if? And there's fear and there's worry. Orphans live like that. Believers, even if. Even if. No matter what happens. Even if God is with me. I'm not an orphan. I'm a child of God. Now listen, there's no negativity or condemnation here, but listen, I'm I'm calling you up. God is calling you up. You're no longer an orphan. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You are a child. You belong to him. You're his. But sometimes we don't see ourselves like Christ sees us. And so because we don't believe And what was done at the cross, we still live like a foreigner. So, So point number eight is this. He reminded her to stand into the new covenant. He reminded her to stand in the new covenant. And he's reminding everybody else, you are a daughter of Abraham. You are different now. Verse 12 the Lord repay you. She's responding for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so Boaz is speaking that to her. He's thanking her for what she's done. He's come under the wings of God. And so point number nine is this. God prays a blessing over her. He prays a blessing over her. He is praying that God would would move in her life. And so if we are going to maintain the unity that's already been paid for, we've got to continue to pray blessings over one another, that God would richly bless one another. His words lined up with his deeds. His prayers lined up with his deeds because he was doing for her the very thing he was praying for. Verse 13 Then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in wine. So she sat beside the reapers and and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. I want you to highlight some left over, right? Right? She got a to-go plate. (laughs) She got a to-go plate. Uh, Listen, church, nothing confirms community more, the establishment of social status, than the breaking of bread together. Are we eating together? Are we sharing a meal together? Point number 10, like he invited her to dinner to celebrate oneness. Are we doing that? Uh, When the Pharisees came at Christ, they were judging him because he eats with tax collectors and sinners. The culture of that day, if you ate with people, that meant you were one with them. And so Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they were mocking him for that. Are we the kind of people that say, hey, come, let's break bread together. Let's break bread together in such a way that we leave full and we leave having leftovers to share. Verse 15, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young man saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Now, Boaz has already done so much in his movement towards her. He was walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, right? He was doing things that were just awesome in every way. But here, point 11, he was maintaining the unity in a progressive way. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I already did that. How many of us can relate to that? All oh, right, I already did that. I already did that. Yeah, I don't need to do that again. No, no, no. <laughs> you tried to reconcile with somebody. They didn't want to be reconciled, and so never again. You're never going to go for it to them again. Look, I'm glad Jesus doesn't work like that. <laughs> oh, they just won't listen. Oh, okay. You listen all the time. Okay. <laughs> Jesus spent three years with Thomas. Everybody's like, bro, Jesus is alive. Thomas is like, I'm not, I don't believe it, bro. Unless I get my hands and my, his, my, my feet, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and Jesus comes to Thomas eight days later in John chapter 20, and he says, hey, put your hand here, Thomas. Put your hand here, Thomas. Jesus meets us where we're at in our frailty, in our mess, in our unbelief. Peter denied Christ three times. I would have said, hey, you're done. I'm done with you. I'm going to go to somebody else. Jesus met him on the beach, served him breakfast, and restored him. Not only restored him, but said, feed my sheep. I'm putting you into ministry, Peter, even though you're jacked up. Because I keep coming at you despite you because I love you and i'm going to work to progressively maintain this unity that christ paid for so will if you can throw up the the 11 if you missed any now if you walk out of here changing one thing it's okay Do you ask the Holy Spirit, God, what is it that I I need to change? And and again, if we do these things, we'll never have race issues in our church at all. They just won't be here. Because there's going to be some people that may have some unforgiveness and bitterness towards somebody that doesn't look like them. But if you're taking them out to dinner and you're listening and hearing It's like me. There's a lot of people that have really been hurt by the church, okay? Like really hurt bad by the church. And maybe the pastor was was off. Well, you know what? Today, on behalf of that pastor, I want to just say I'm sorry. Please forgive him. And release Because he's just a sheep, just like I'm a dumb sheep, just like you're a dumb sheep. And let's reconcile because we're already one. And we got to maintain this thing. It's constant maintenance. It's like, look. If you don't brush your teeth every day. You're going to get plaque buildup. you have a responsibility you have to do your part and that's what these are for us is that wait am i am i doing these things man i'm not doing this one and this one okay god Please forgive me, help me now to move like this. And not only that, but may I find an accountability partner that I can share one of my faults with and then have them hold me accountable to what I'm going to change. Because when we belong to one another, because we're members of one another, we operate like that, things are going to start happening in an amazing way. And this is what the church is, guys. We are the body of Christ. We're members of one another. And so let's go ahead and close in in prayer. Um, Worship team, if you can come forward, please. We have communion up to the side. If you've never been here before, we spend uh, probably about 20 minutes closing in song and worshiping God because we want you to pray about if there's anything that God wants you to change. There's going to be prayer ministers that are going to be up here as well where if you need prayer for anything at all, Um, They're here to pray for you, to lay hands on you. But listen, no racism in Bow Down. None. It's unacceptable in the body of Christ. And if we do these things, we're not going to have these issues like the rest of the world. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. In fact, God, this was written like 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. To the Moabite nation that was oppressing the children of Israel. And these principles brought Ruth in, and she actually became the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus. She's in your lineage now, Jesus. And I just thank you and I praise you, God, for this word today. And I pray your truth would reign in this place. Help us, God, to just obey your word and walk in what your blood spilt. You paid for unity on the cross, Jesus. Help us just to maintain it. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.org dot com.